Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Career Retrospectives with my good man, Kyle Q. What's going on, bud? Hey, not much. So, so glad to have you back here once again. And we're going to be talking a little bit. We we're supposed to do our show on Monday, but things got tied up on my end. We're here tonight. We're going to be talking tonight about Kiss Alive. Quite possibly one of the greatest live albums of all time. I'm super excited about this one. What about you? Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely one of the most iconic live albums ever made. Uh, live albums. But we'll get into that when we start talking about it. You better believe it. So, a full disclosure, I just saw Kiss last uh, last month in Hartford, Connecticut. It was always a good time. The explosions, the pyrotechnics, it was always a good time. So, And this album definitely was solidified what their live shows would become for the next you know 40 years afterwards so so but here let's let me just share my screen here so what are your overall like thoughts impressions and whatnot of kiss alive my friend so like i said it's definitely the most one of the most iconic live albums ever made uh i don't think that kiss would have reached the heights that they did without this album uh it really took that early version of kiss that they had that's very raw and I, I don't know how to describe it but for me personally the first like three kiss albums there's a couple of good songs on there mm-hmm. but they don't the studio versions don't compare in my opinion to the live versions for most of them i agree it's really live is where kiss shines and you could like feel the energy coming off of it uh i do think that that improved vastly after this album i think they took what they learned from releasing a live album which is actually heavily overdubbed in the studio uh most of this album actually the only thing that was fully live on this album that was not re-recorded over at least partially was uh the drums so I think they took, yeah, I just want to say, Peter Chris, you know, you are who you are. I mean, and Paul Stanley hates his guts, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only thing on the album that's actually truly live and uh, was, you know, unless it was and they never say anything, untouched. Everything else was overdubbed in the studio. And this wasn't one show. This is, you know, multiple shows spliced together, but they did a really good job of making it seem like one like one concert experience and it's this is what you want from kiss it's just a fun experience and that's what this album gives you and uh, i see why it became what really launched them to stardom like they, they were you know they were popular don't get me wrong but this album is really where and for a live album to be your really like mainstream breakthrough pretty impressive yeah i gotta tell you right up front um I just about agree with everything you just said. Their their first three albums, the the sound wasn't quite what they wanted. But when this album came out, which was their first, it's funny. I'm a big audiobook guy. I don't know if you ever have you. Ever, I just curious. Have you read Paul Stanley's audiobook? Uh, his autobiography. <laughs> I've not, not yet. Okay. First off, let me just say this: his voice as an audiobook is so soothing. I don't know why I fall asleep to it. It's just it's for Paul Stanley's voice to be so soothing. It's crazy, but I've he he did his whole audio. He did the audiobook for his autobiography. Um, it's great. There's clips of it on YouTube and like just the audio of it. And 
<coughs> excuse me, it's him talking about his actual like his life and different. Someone was clever enough to actually cut different segments up to be like, here, here here's him talking about alive. Here's him talking about dress to kill destroyer. You know, uh, tears are falling in the eighties. It's mm. really cool. And there's clips of that. If you want to check that out, go on YouTube and just look up Paul Stanley audiobook segments. It's really cool. But he brought up one thing he brought up at the time was, and this is the 75, if I'm not mistaken, right? 70. Yeah, 75. Yeah, I think so. Um, 1975, I want to say, because the story was 76. That's right. Yeah, this is a year before. Yes. And this was the album. And he said that he, they wanted to make, but he said, at the time, though, live albums in the United States were not like really known for breaking artists at the time. No. But as a live act, though, like they were, they they were said they said let's try and record something like that. And they to, to to your point, I will say this too: they did enhance it a little bit with some studio track, some studio like backing backing stuff. But they overall, it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he he hit a lot of it in his audio book like, when he's talking about it. It's like he's like, yes, we enhanced it, but not to hide anything, not to like fool anyone. But who wanted to hear a, a, a solo messed up or something like that? That's exactly, what he was exactly, yeah. and that's why I don't mind it. Is because when you listen to a live album, you still want the music to sound good. You don't want to hear like an off key note. You don't want to hear someone messing something up. Yeah. Use the best take you got. And if you don't have it, then overdub that part. I don't mind. As long as the energy is there, it sounds great. Exactly. Um, and if, and this was the album that like the like was it, it, taught, it skyrocketed their popularity. It was just used as like a springboard, if you will, to launch destroyer and whatnot and beth came out after that and whatnot mm-hmm. um but uh, him talking about the release of this album it, it it was his first it was his first like gold album that paul again going back to paul says audio his autobiography but he's like elvis had a gold album the beatles had a gold album and now i have a gold album this <laughs> the way he said it was really funny um and, and they were on tour like crazy of this during this time too because alive was selling like 50,000 copies or then it became platinum later so but it was it was definitely a game changer so absolutely so um but yeah so let's let's dub into a little bit of the wikipedia page here shall we for kiss alive um it was released in 70, september 10th 1975 was released and it consists of their first three studio albums tracks from there and um but i don't know if you notice the back cover the very back cover is actually like um the Detroit, Michigan show. I don't know if you knew that or not, but like, because they took that picture and they put it on the back cover. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what that show is. So, now, the inside cover I think was somewhere else, but, um, but yeah, this is just an I, it, overall, it's an incredible, super awesome live album, and it, just, it still sounds great to this day. Like the like the yes. production of it is great. So, I got th- it's, it's still like whenever I I, I have XM in my car. And I have like 70s on seven comes up. I hear the live version of rock and roll night. That was like huge hit, whatever. I'm like that just still to this day, just production wise sounds great. And that's, that's the thing with that song is the live version is so much better than the studio version. It has so much more energy behind it that when you hear it played most times, it's going to be the version from this album. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, let's get into the track listing of it for a sec here, because I, I, I full disclosure, I forget all the songs that are on the. No, no, some of them I remember, some of them I don't. Um, <coughs> but let's take a look at what the track listing was from the original release of Alive. 
uh, Deuce. We're gonna get to all these in a sec, but Deuce Strutter got to choose hotter than hell. Some of these songs they don't play anymore. Uh, Firehouse, nothing to lose. Come on and love me. Parasite, she watching you a hundred thousand years. Black Diamond, rock bottom, cold gin, rock and roll all night, and let me go rock and roll. And it's a double album at the time, too. How can we forget that? Um, so out of the four sides here, just do you have a favorite side at all? Or do you have or just the whole thing? What do you think? I really have a favorite side. Uh, I generally pick out just certain tracks to listen to from this album. Okay. It's early kiss is not my favorite. Mm. I'll be honest. It's, this is a very good live album. It's iconic. Uh, my favorite era of kiss is actually the uh, unmasked, the no makeup version of Kiss. Really? Yes. Uh, those wow. were all my, pretty much almost all my favorite Kiss songs come from. So if I had to pick a favorite side, I'd probably go with side A. The first five tracks are really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's some filler in B and C. And then the last five tracks the last four tracks are uh really solid as well yeah Which it's generally how a concert is laid out <laughs> yeah and at the time it was 16 songs back in they, they still like they, they play 24 songs now whatever so it really was like listening to a whole show which was great yeah <clears throat> which is something i wish i wish more not just bands but i wish more people would release live albums today like in general it yeah, is something it, that faded away um, in recent years. Yeah, I mean, like the closest thing we have to it now is like unplugged from like the late '90s of whoever. Like there was Clapton, but that was. Oh, there was in in the 2000s. They still they still did some live albums. Um, yeah. They weren't as common, I don't think, as you know, the decades leading up to it. But I think it was really when streaming started that the live album kind of faded away. It's a bummer because it's just it's so fun. You I I full disclosure, I don't have a copy of this. My uncle has a copy of this, and I'm, I'm gonna come and get it from him, and I'm gonna take it from his house secretly so I can have Kiss Alive on vinyl and add it to my vinyl collection. Correct. Yes, I have a vinyl collection. So because it's just and I put it on his turntable, it just it's still even on LP, it still sounds perfect today. You know, it's like the, just the way that like the way that the, the the performance of it was the way that like the songs came across, like and of course, they're the rock and roll night live. I I don't know. Like, I, I prefer the live version of rock and roll night over the studio mm. cut. 100 yeah. percent. Like and a lot of the songs in here, I prefer over the studio cut in general because it's just that good. 100 percent agree. Yeah. So uh, even. Even Strutter, which Strutter, I like the studio version a lot. It's one of, you know, my top Kiss songs. Mm. This version's even better. <laughs> I mean, there's, just, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> the energy just translates so much better. And, you know, they could come down to low budget on the first uh, few albums there. But mm. I don't know. They Once they released this, they really hit the formula for how to make a good Kiss record. Yeah, and they continued that, and they even the album's after this, like a destroyer. Oh my god, that that album is just as energetic. I would argue it's just as energetic, if not potentially more energetic, than Alive, 
and that's a studio album. So I think they this really showed them like this is what people want from you, mm-hmm. and they I, they continued that throughout the rest of their career, for the most part. Some questionable releases here and there. Yeah, I mean it's funny you say that your favorite era of Kiss is the non makeup Kiss because I, I I love Kiss as like a band like I mean particularly hundred percent. Yeah, like it's just. Like I, I, I see what you're saying. The production was a lot different. I mean, we could do a whole episode on that too. But like, the I, I really say with you, the production on this is different from like stuff like "Lick It Up" or "Tears Are Fall," mm-hmm. like your "Heavens on Fire." Yep. Even any way you slice it, just saying. <laughs> Crazy nights. Yeah. Oh, I love it's, that track. To me, it just comes down to that. That era of the band was definitely more glam, glam hair metal. Yeah, influence than this stuff, which is definitely more along the classic rock lines. Yes, and I'm a sucker for that '80s era hair metal stuff. So <laughs> there you go. Like David Lee Roth, anyone solo career? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, this album is a great, great live album. Uh, the one thing I could do without in one of the songs, the sirens on Firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> to me you're just kind of corny i don't know that's just uh i understand why they're there when i was listening to it again though uh the other day i was like i it got to that point i was like oh kind of took me out of it for a minute oh man <laughs> that i mean yeah it's like because again this is a live album it's from the actual recordings of different shows that they've did and they put it together to create a live and I don't know if you knew about this. I don't know if you knew because I knew about this because it was like, um, because it was um, they pulled. I don't know if you ever heard about this. The actual title of a live. I don't know if you knew this was from a live album from Slade Alive, which is another British like heavy metal band from like the seventies, yep. and it was called Slave Alive. They did literally just ripped the title off completely. I don't know if you knew about that, but yep, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Um, it's it definitely it holds up well too. It's like like as a, as a live album. Just I, I love all those songs. I mean, it, it's you know we should do. I'm just saying this on air because I don't care what we say or not. We should do like a best of the non makeup era kiss albums. Just, uh, maybe we'll do it next week. Whatever. Who knows? Like, yeah. That would be that'd be fun to break down like all. Was it seven albums? I forgot. I don't even know. It's definitely a handful of them. I don't know the yeah. exact number, but it's definitely a handful of them. Because like in the seventies, and it's funny. Just Kiss in general, like the seventies, they released like I think two live albums and like seven studio albums. Some nineteen seventy-two. Oh, in their early days, they were doing like one a year. It, yeah, at least you know, and that's just how music was back then. Yeah, back just, then the thought process was if you didn't keep releasing music, people were going to forget about you. So yeah. we saw the same thing with Van Halen, mm. and I I think that worked to the detriment of a lot of a, a lot of the artists. I also think Kiss would be part of that for me personally with their albums. Mm-hmm. I think that if you took the good songs from their first few albums and put them together, kind of like you do in this live album here, you have a much more solid album. I agree with that. Actually. I really, I really do agree with that. Um, truthfully. Um, and I, I, 
I, mean, I, I have nothing against like the songs they pick because they only had, they only had three albums to go off of. When, yeah. when, when Alive Two came out, they had much more to draw from. But you know, yeah. um, that's I why think- I find myself going back to uh, the different versions, like the Alive Two. Uh, as I just mentioned to you before, this one, my para- personal favorite live album is Alive Four, the one they did with the Symphony. That one was perfect song selection, great. And I just like that this album really brought, um, you know, it didn't bring live albums necessarily into the mainstream, mm-hmm. but it really helped popularize that in the seventies and then into the eighties. And then even the trend even lasted into, we got two live green day albums. Yep. Uh, also I would put those up. There are some of the best live albums. You had a, the live blink 182 album in the two thousands, uh, all the, unplugged nirvana's unplugged is one of the most iconic live albums too yeah and it's something that i do wish like we just mentioned i do wish they would come back there's a bunch of bands that i think would be great to have a modern live album from but i don't think we'll ever see them i don't think it's something that people these days really go and seek out especially with how much you can just without your phone at a concert and just live stream it in pretty decent quality now. Yeah, that, that's that's the crazy part. You could just take like when I was at, when I saw Kiss, there were people doing that on Facebook yeah. live. I'm like, what are you doing? It's funny. Yep. People do that. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the Green Day like chats and groups. I mean, people just throw up a live stream, and it, yeah, it's decent. It's listenable quality. It's not like back in the day when you would sneak record a show and it would sound like garbage. It's oh, not yeah. bad now. It's not like 2009, like yeah. era of like anything, and then now we we can the hell our new our, our iPhones and Samsungs can record stuff pretty good too. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, you know, speaking of rock and roll, that because it was one of the last songs on the on the LP uh, of Alive, the Green Day Hell Omega cut of that that we heard live on Hell Omega tour was actually like that. They literally like took this version of Rock and Roll Night mm-hmm. and. They did a hella mega of a good job with that. Yeah, and then they released it, uh, the live version of that on streaming. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy they did that, truthfully. I'm surprised Fall Boy didn't, but yeah. Me too. Well, yeah. yeah, I think Fall Boy is the only one that didn't release something live from that tour. Yeah, Weezer did it with all my favorite songs. Green Day did it with Rock and Roll All Night, which so glad because I wanted a recording of it so bad. And I'm glad yeah. that we have it. And again, really just um um oh my god i lost my train of thought really just shows that song is the perfect live setting song it doesn't matter and that's one thing that i love about kiss any era their songs and especially i noticed on this album when i went back to re-listen to it um, a couple days ago this album the songs are not Kind of true to all Kiss, even after this. They're not complex songs. Mm. They're very standard songs. There's nothing like super complex and like show off about them. But they're well written. Like take a song like Rock and Roll All Night. Super simplistic. Probably one of the most simplistic songs out there. But it shows how good it is because no matter what band plays it, you play that song live, it's a good time. Like it, it's a timeless song that anyone could do. I completely agree with that. I mean, 
It's funny because even the, the second time I ever heard it live was with Green Day um, on the Hell Mega Tour. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I, 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 I knew the set list going into it. I'm going to just full disclosure. But when I, when, I, when I heard that live, I'm like, man, it was just so much fun to hear that live. It's Because you're right. It's a song that is very easy. It's like for those of you guitar nuts at home, it is just A, E, and D pretty and you, much. And even if you've never heard the song before, you could sing along with it. Chorus is the same thing every time, Liggy. Yeah, the chorus is the same. Like hardly, the verses are hardly wrong. any other words other than the chorus. <laughs> Pretty much, and like it's funny. Again, going back to Paul Stanley's audio uh, autobiography, which I've I've listened to a lot of the audiobook tracks truthfully, and I and I and they're very fascinating to hear his perspective on things truthfully in general. Um, not just about kids, but it's about his life and whatnot. Um, his it's funny his. Um, what was I gonna say? He 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 said he he because again it was like the segment on YouTube and I just ripped it and I have it on my phone whatever it says he says quote we had we had one song we knew I knew was special he said he only had a chorus and a couple of he only had the chorus because at one point someone said to him you want to have a song that your crowd can identify you with and like you know whatnot and he's like. So I, I, he wrote out a course that I want to rock and roll night and party every day. And then Gene Simmons came in and said, hey, I, I, have, I have the verses to a, a song, but there's no chorus. And they literally just combined the two to make an iconic rock anthem. So it's, it's pretty funny how, if him saying that and how it all came, that one song came together. He's like, he's, he said, like, this could be the rock and roll national anthem. I'm like, well, it kind of is to an extent if you think about it. So. Uh, but I love I love that track. I love that um I love Kiss, they're great. So um completely agree. I want to jump to just for a sec the reception of this at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have we have to talk about this it for was, one second. It, this is where I I've never liked critics. No. And this is one of the examples to show exactly the problem with critics. Because at the time when this album comes out, came out, if you look back at it, it did not get great reviews. Now, now it has great reviews from critics. Critics have now changed their tune, you know, decades later. At the time, not a very well-received album critically, but fans loved it. Your average person loved this album. There are so many artists that credit this as being their introduction to rock and roll, like their influence to get into music. Yeah. Like, and we're just, we're just reading some of it now, like alive received negative to mixed reviews from contemporary critics at the time. In fact, someone from Rolling Stone magazine said they judged the band's mixed music to be awful, criminally repetitive, thudding, monotonous. And mildly entertaining for about 10 minutes. And now he said, Kiss is the new bad boy teen idols. At the time, you're like, what? And then. So I disagree. I will say I disagree with all that, except for that one line. He's really not wrong with that new bad boy teen idols thing. I mean, they, they kind of were. Yeah. They, I mean, with the guy who breathes fire. And yep. just has like they have makeup on. I mean, why not? I mean, I mean that's that's kind of what they were. If we're gonna be honest, now the the music criticisms, yeah, yeah, yeah. their songs are a little bit 
back then, you know, a little repetitive, but they're missing the point of it. Like they're missing the whole energy and experience of it. Exactly. And then it says modern reviews have been generally highly positive. Yeah. So someone of all music said, considered a lot to be the greatest kiss album ever. Like (laughs) the, and in fact, uh, what do you call it? I don't know if you ever looked at the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time. At number 159 is Alive. So that just shows you how like incredible the album is. So I agree. I I might put it, it's not one of my favorite albums, but because of how iconic it is, yeah. I, I would probably put it in the, at least in the top 100. Rolling Stone has in the past few years been uh, pretty questionable in their lists. Uh, yeah. Like, for example, I just saw the other day they put out their list of the top whatever rappers. Yeah. Eminem yeah. came in and I think it was 25 or something like that. What? And they had Cardi B above Eminem. That's and a questionable. Bunch of other actual rappers. I don't know how that happened. So Rolling Stone, I'm a little iffy on. Yeah. I still like them, but that that is that's ridiculous to me. They're, it's just their lists. Their lists never make sense to me. I, I actually agree with you on that aspect because, like, truthfully, I mean, I, 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 some of their lists, like, some of them make sense to me, like, but like, some placements on there, like, are just questionable. Like, even in their 2003 um, 500 greatest albums of all time list, which I have like saved on my tab right here, it's crazy. I look at it from time to time, just like, what, what other final should I get? Like, they had like. Oh, what was it? They had like the, the top three albums or top five albums, like three of them were Beatles albums. And I mean, which makes sense in my mind, but not everyone's mm-hmm. mind is like that, you know? So, <clears throat> so, but that's, that's all another conversation for another time. But like, bottom line, critics hated it at the time. Now they're like, oh, this is one of the best Kiss albums ever. You know, it's great. So. And it is. It is. I mean, like pound, pound for pound. If you compare all their albums, it's definitely top three. I agree. I would, I would probably put Destroyer number one for me. Oh, me too. 100%. But for me, the uh, best kiss compilation. Uh, oh my God. Was was like thrashes, smashes, and hits or something like that? The compilation thrashes, was smashes, 88. And 88. The only off thing about that is the re recorded Beth. Oh, yeah. That one is a little iffy, but that is the best compilation of kiss songs they could get and i will die on that hill <laughs> i actually don't disagree with you because i actually have a cd copy of that lying around somewhere here believe it or not <laughs> like i gotta find it but i'm like that's it's so true though if you think about it it's like wow like it, that that compilation was actually and that, that you know it's funny i had so it on a cassette as a kid oh my god yeah oh wow we're going old school then oh my god um they had um, just, you know, because, you know, they had to actually um, Paul Stanley wrote the, the two new uh, just sort of sign up with thrashes, 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 thrashes and hits. Sorry, I think I said that right. Whatever. Um, there was two new songs in there. Mm-hmm. I just want to bring it up for a second because we're talking about Kiss in general. Um, X and Sex. I have been listening to that song like on repeat for the past like week. I love that song. <laughs> and it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get to what I'm gonna say in a second, but and rock hard, you make me rock hard, whatever it's called, right? <laughs> yep. I, yeah. So 
funny thing about that, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you knew this in particular, I'm just and our listeners are gonna find this out, whatever. But I'm gonna let you know. You know who actually wrote that with Paul Stanley? Yeah. The writers on it, Desmond Child, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name or not. Desmond Child and Diane Warren. Diane Warren is a oh. writes so many hit songs. Like she wrote, I don't want to miss a thing for Aerosmith. Mm. Desmond Child co-wrote Living on a Prayer with Bon Jovi. Like he's like, I've been around the block. He actually co-wrote I Was Made for Loving You. So with Kiss. So, but the fact that it took Paul, three genius minds, Paul Stanley of Kiss, Diane Warren, and Desmond Child to write, You Make Me Rock Hard. He said, <laughs> Desmond Child has gone on record and said, That's probably the worst song I've ever written. Yeah, that one's one's not the best. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with that statement from him, but it's definitely not the best song. No, I mean, I, I was listening to that one point. I was like, like, because Eddie Trunk had Desmond on at one point. I was like, like, wait a second, what? (laughs) He actually said that's the worst song they had on uh, that he ever wrote was "Rock." You make me rock hard, and the cover with Diane Warren and Paul Stanley together. I was like, oh no, oh no, (laughs) it's funny. Um, but like, and he's Desmond Child. For those who don't know, Desmond Child, he, him, and Paul Stanley are friend, are really good friends, and they wrote, he co-wrote like half of the Kiss songs in the eighties. I don't know if you, like on the album tracks and stuff, like for certain Kiss albums, he co-wrote like "Read My Body" on for with um on like forever. I don't even know that one around, but like just generically, he's written so many songs with Paul Stanley, it's ridiculous. Oh, and most of them are good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like "Heaven's on Fire," "Tears Are Falling." "Heaven's on Fire" is one of the best kiss songs i agree 100 honestly probably my probably my number three kiss song wow big words big yeah. words yeah so but uh and i feel like we can't discuss kiss without talking about um what they have turned into over the years oh my god they're not a band anymore they are brand they are a brand. brand they are there's nothing wrong with it Nope. I think that it's great. Now, they do have some things out there that are a little out there. Uh, let's, I believe for a while they were selling air guitar strings, which was just an empty bag. It's a little gag thing. They also had the iconic Kiss coffin. Um, so you can die a Kiss bag. Uh, Dime Bag Daryl from Pantera is buried in that coffin. So. There's a person for all of it, but it's just uh, got a little much for me. I think that, and I see Metallica going down that same path now. Yeah. But, and you know, I'm fine with this current lineup of Kiss. I agree. Current and most likely final. Uh, But then again, when Kiss has a farewell tour, is it ever actually the farewell tour? I mean, I'm pretty sure that they've said in the past. Either Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons had mentioned, um, yeah, the band could go on without us. Just have someone else throw on the makeup. I think Paul said that, but he's the one who created the makeup. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, they sign off on the rights and just be like, hey, get two guys that sound like us, go out there and just put on the same show. All four, actually, if you think. Of, and you know what? I mean, yeah. You know what? I, here's what I say. You know, just as a as a big Kiss fan, not only do you get you get the Star Child and the Demon, but then you get the Spaceman, you get the Cat Man or the Cat, and then on top of that, you get Vinnie Vincent's character back in the mix God. as 
uh, 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 the Anka Warrior, and then you bring Eric Carr as the Fox back. There you go. You got like Just six. Bring everyone back. Just bring, bring all the makeup back. back. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, we're gonna look this definitely up. doable. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Yeah, like just bring all six makeups back. Bring all six back as a new reinvented kiss. Have two drummers on stage, and there you go. <laughs> it's going to happen. The Ankh Warrior is definitely the, uh, the worst makeup of the bunch. Of- <laughs> I agree. Eric Cars was Never really liked. good, but, like, I just, I don't know. I just, it's just questionable. Like Space Ace. Oh, I get cringe hey. from that. Hey. That's another thing. The original lineup, they're talented. Yeah. They're not needed. Like, and I, I don't say that's any disrespect to Ace or Peter. Yep. There was nothing about the original songs or anything like from the original lineup of the band that can't be handled by someone else. Like, really, mm-hmm. the big two, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. I mean, the two main voices of the band. Like that's I couldn't picture Kiss without Gene Simmons. Like I said, I think it will happen. I think it's just a matter of when. Yeah, give it like five years. And you know, this slightly off topic, but this could be a topic for a whole nother discussion. Yeah. I don't a lot of people in recent years have come after Gene Simmons about his comments about saying rock is dead. Oh my god. I don't necessarily disagree with him. I don't disagree with it because he's right. Rock in the mainstream, like it was in the 70s when Alive came out and Destroyer and then even in like the 80s, it's not in the mainstream anymore. It's just not. And the stuff that is, is retreads of early to mid 2000s pop punk trends. At the moment, yeah. Like, we haven't seen a new, like, outside of, like, underground and less popular, like, metal genres that don't reach nearly the success. They still play just, like, clubs and small venues. We haven't seen a big rock band in years. Like, a true rock band. I mean, think about it. The biggest rock band to come out of the past decade has been Imagine Dragons. Now, no disrespect to them. Their first album was very good. It was. Oh my God, you're right. But calling, just having to say that sentence, that that's the biggest and most successful quote-unquote rock band, pop rock band, to come out of the past decade. You know, say what you want about Gene Simmons, but he's not wrong. Like, there's definitely talented musicians out there. But in terms of rock in the mainstream, it's not even the most popular genre. According to Billboard, since 2017, R&B and hip-hop has been the most popular genre in the U.S. Yeah. And then pop right behind it. Yeah. I just, not to, not to like fully counteract your point, but I, I do see, I, 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 I've heard Gene Simmons Plenty of times before I've heard his comments. I've heard Angus Young talk about his comments too, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And he's like, uh, Brian Johnson was like, oh, never listen to a man wearing makeup, but whatever. <laughs> he said it like that first. And But it's funny. I was listening to, just on our side, before we go back to Kiss for a sec, just to, 
on a side note, as rocking as a genre, apparently, and I just, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Europe, the health, if you will, of rock and roll, all, all across Europe, in like Spain, in Italy, wherever, Germany, doing much better. It's extremely healthy. Like yep. that is their go-to music. It's crazy. Yep. I mean, you see just the videos of their music festivals. They're still yeah. their rock and metal music festivals. Massive. Huge packed. Like, we're talking it, like the US. Oh yeah, no. Rock's been dead for 10 years. Yeah, it's since 21st century breakdown, man. It's been like ever since then, we've been like, no, but I'm just kidding. But ever like since, pretty much ever since I left high school. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um since imagine dragons is back in business anyways no i'm just kidding but um uh, but like i look we could talk about that that could be a whole nother discussion but like back to kiss though and a kiss alive and whatnot um i gotta tell you i mean alive is just going back to like kiss is a band and whatnot and kiss alive whatnot um i this is one of my favorite bands of all time like just in general generally speaking i love this band they are incredible i genuinely love them and I, I think that their story is fascinating to me it's like oh, some people are like oh well they're just they're in it for like the cash grab or the brand instead of the band i hear what you're saying there um but i will say that i don't think they're in it i want to clarify that real quick i i don't think that they're in it for the cash necessarily right i think that they still love the music um sure. yeah. recent years they wow that made me feel old I just saw their last album being in 2012. I remember getting it the day it came out. Uh, oh my God. They, the, the, the proof that you are old. No offense, yeah. my friend. Yeah, really. But I think it was pretty recently that Paul Stanley had done, I don't know if it was an interview or just a statement or whatever. When I think it was an interview, when asked about new music, like, would we ever see a new Kiss record? either Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons. I think it was Paul, though. He said, no one wants it. And yeah. he's not wrong. I mean, I would like to hear it. But you go to the Kiss shows, I think on the tour that I saw them on, I think it was the year, a year after Monster came out, it was uh, the one with Motley Crue. I think they only played one song off of it because they're a legacy band at this point. Uh, this you go to a Kiss show, you, you want to see the hits. You want to see the pyrotechnics. You want to see the energy that you saw from Alive that you listen to as a kid and like got you pumped up. It's like a nostalgia trip for people now. So I see where he's coming from with that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because my first, the first time I ever saw Kiss, they were my first concert ever. They were my first concert ever in 2009. You ready to feel old? <laughs> like, I know me too. I was like 12. Well, I, don't even, I don't even know. But my first show was Rush back on there. Was it their 30th anniversary tour? It was like 2004. Oh my God. Yeah, that was feel real old. Yeah, me, I'm not going to lie, me too. But I mean, Kiss was my first exposure to live music too. And what a, what a great introduction to anything live in general. Like, oh my God, it's explosions on stage. Yeah. Right? So it's incredible. Um, <laughs> but you're right, though. Paul Stanley did say something at one point. He's like, oh, yeah, well, like, not like anyone, anyone just wear the makeup, but <clears throat> he said that. You know, but you know, it's funny. He, he did an interview with, ironically, Rolling Stone Music Now, the podcast. Um, he was saying how, like, yeah, Kiss is saying goodbye. We said goodbye with a farewell tour. 
to the original band members of Ace Freely and Peter Chris in 2000. That's what the first, that was their first like original lineup farewell. But I think their end of the road tour, I think they're done after this. I think, I mean, they're so old. It's like, I mean, and truth be told, Paul Stanley's voice and Gene Simmons' voice was actually really solid. I meant to tell you that. Like, they were really good live. Now, like, just yeah. some last month. They still sound good, even though they're, they're not using. I remember first there was like clearly like they were like lip syncing in the first like yeah, or they, whatever. They just got caught on that uh, the other day, actually. <laughs> so, so they yeah. They got caught using a backing track the other day, which is, again, fine. Every band these days uses a backing track. Yes. But it's the fact that they make a big deal about trying to say we don't use backing tracks. Yeah. I mean, I don't, as far as I could tell, it was saying. I mean, personally, I have video. Yeah, they, they, sing, shot, but... they, they sing, but they have a backing track for like, you know, the backing vocals, things like that, usually. Yeah, exactly. That's usually what people do, make it sound, get a more full experience. Yeah, I mean, there was like, and when the tour, when, the, when, the, when their final tour just started, like in 2019, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you could clearly tell that they were like, they were just doing that. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that's crazy. That's terrible. I mean, Eddie Trunk was like ripping them apart. It's like, how could you? It's funny. Um, Eddie Trunk's a huge Kiss fan, too. You forget that. He's a oh, huge. Oh, yeah. I used to watch um, back that in, metal show. Back in the day, that metal show. Seen every episode of it. I was so crushed when it was canceled. Oh, I never saw an episode, but I do I do know what you're talking about, though. It's oh, my God. You, even to just go back now and rewatch them, man, you should definitely yeah. try it if you can find them. They were so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. I'm sure you can find them on YouTube or whatever, or probably some channel or somewhere, or whatever on YouTube. It used to be um, on a VH1 Classics. I don't even think that channel exists anymore. Damn, rip! That was a good channel. So they showed all behind the behind the music videos too. You know, like behind the music, just like say, documentaries. Those things were cool, man. And pop up video. Yeah. Yep. The, the good old days. <laughs> it feels weird to be old. <laughs> so. Um, but I mean, overall, I mean, Kiss. I mean, we, we we went off on like a Kiss tangent, but like, oh yeah, full full fledged. But like, Alive. Going back to Alive though, for a second, we just go back to it. Um, Alive as an album, though. I mean, I love it. It really set the stage for what live albums could be. Truthfully, if you think about it, I agree completely. Um, also, very impressive in terms of like recording and production at the time. Oh, yeah. Very impressive with because, again, this is multiple shows. It was like four shows, I think. Uh, yeah, it was recorded like across like four or so shows. With like redubbing done, a lot of the crowd sounds that you hear on this are actually yeah. not the live crowd. They're actually added in after to add to the effect of it. Correct. And it sounds great. And it's you would never know unless you like really looked into the process like recording process for years i didn't know like when i was younger i didn't know until i heard about it somewhere and i was like oh yeah i can kind of see that like if you actually look for it yeah i mean it's it's it really it, it, you're right though it, it, and plus it does hold up as a live album in general too like it, it's like i said because again going back to his audiobook the paul stan's audiobook he said something like um, he said how like back before this recording came out, like some people like Jackson Brown. I don't, I don't know if you like if you're familiar with him, but like yeah. Jackson Brown had like his version of um, 
running on empty. Like if he said that live albums back in the day before live was just like a studio recording and then some applause at the end of the show, at the end of the recording. That's still yeah. on running on empty. But Kiss wanted to say, let's scrap that and let's just do what we think is going to be even better. And it worked out in their favor. So it did. I mean, this perfectly captures the energy of a Kiss concert. Yes. So true, though. And they're they're one of the bands that sounds better live, in my opinion. Yes. And especially on the earlier stuff They're after this, I think it's pretty like equal. But I think especially mm-hmm. in the early stuff they were better live and there's a couple bands that are like that cheap trick is another one talk about iconic live albums oh yeah cheap tricks live album sounds better than almost every song on that one also sounds better than the studio version of it uh and that came out a couple years after alive yeah that was at, it was at Budokan, right? Yep, the live uh, cheap trick at Budokan that where the iconic "I Want You to Want Me" uh, performance was from. Right. And I just wonder, like, would that have happened? Would that have been so popular, like live recordings, if Alive didn't like break that out? You know. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean I think with the success of Alive, a lot of people then had live albums to begin with. I mean, some people were some. You're right. Some artists are just better live. Truthfully, yeah. I mean, there's a aside from Cheap Trick or Kiss, there's a I, I can think of at least probably like ten more. Yeah, like even when I saw them, like Def Leppard's one of them. I mean, they they sound great on record, but we're seeing them live as well. Oh yeah, they're great live. Yeah, so there's that. Um, but yeah, so Kiss Alive all around a, a really super incredible live album, and you're you're right, it is four dates in 1975. They recorded some shows and they edited them together. It was four shows. So yeah. Um, any other comments for a live, my guy? Anything else you want to mention at all? Or no, I'm pretty good. I mean, it's there's a reason that it's one of the most iconic live albums of all time, if not one of the most iconic albums in general. Uh, yeah. also, this it the, the satanic panic didn't happen until like the 80s, but you know, back in the day, it this was like an album, this and like Destroyer were albums that you would have like, a lot of kids would have had to hide from their parents. Like, oh, don't let this music in our household. And so it's just such an iconic part of not only music history, but I think cultural, like it specifically in the, Amer- like in America, like the American yeah. cultural uh, impact of this also, I don't think can be dismissed. And it's just such an interesting time and such an interesting Thing that it took a live album to really break Kiss out. And I just want to also mention that it wasn't until the success of this album after this Kiss signed back with the same record label for Destroyer, but they signed only a two record deal because the label didn't think they'd be able to match the success of Alive. I didn't know that. Yeah. And boy, they were wrong. So it, I'm glad that this album was successful because if it wasn't, I don't know if we ever would have gotten the rest of Kiss's career. Yeah, or Destroyer, for that matter, anything from the non-makeup era in general. So Revenge, yep. Carnival of Souls. Yep. <laughs> oh, God, that's another one. 
Uh, one more thing before we wrap up. Uh, I, I I did see him live twice. I saw I'm wearing my Kiss shirt for those of you who don't know. Um, they were my first concert ever. They were I had to see them on their farewell tour before they because let's face it, they're 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 done. They're pretty much done. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's if Kiss Kiss ever comes back, it's not Gene and Paul. No, it's gonna be brand new people dressed in the makeup. And hell, like I said, Kiss, if you guys are listening to us right now, make sure you have Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent's characters on stage too. <laughs> Do it. It'd be so funny. Like the hardcore sweaty Kiss fans would be like. Why is Vinny and Eric up there? What? <laughs> It'd be so funny. Yeah, but Vinny's character, Vinny's character only should be up there for like one song and then walk away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just one song, go up there and that's it. Uh, I, I think they might do that in like literally five years or something. Because when they're done, done in 2023, they say with their tour. So, I think that's what it ends. Yeah. Yeah. So Unless they keep adding more to it. I feel like they've been on this tour forever. It might just be because COVID <laughs> extended it too. That's true. Yeah. That happened. But I feel like this tour kept going and they keep adding dates. Like they added a Vegas third, residency at one point. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Wow. Okay, so sure. Third leg of the farewell tour. <laughs> no, if you I'm kidding you not, they're on like their ninth leg. Yeah, they, they just keep it going. Eventually yeah. it is gonna be the farewell, you know. Yeah, like the the, the, the they said they're targeting like their last date's gonna be like sometime in like 2023. I'm like, where though? That's a better question. Yeah, I mean, they already did the Vegas residency. I, it would make sense. They're from New York. It would make sense for them to do it in New York. Watch, it's it going to be at... For them to the, have a big celebration for their last show ever. Get Ace up there for at least a couple songs. Just have a big blowout in wherever in New York, you know? Yeah. Hopefully he's not boozed up or if he's still alive. <laughs> I mean, hey, or if Peter Chris come out of retirement... <laughs> And then have him up to Beth and then he can go away. Yes, have him just sing Beth for one time only <laughs> since then. <laughs> oh my god. I could talk about kiss all day. Um, but yeah, that's our concluding thoughts for a live overall a standard of live albums, one of the best of all time. And I think it's a classic too. I mean, any other thoughts at all? Or are you good? No, that does it for me. Well. In that case, we did kind of a quick episode today. I think our Foo Fighter episode was pretty quick, too. It was like 45 minutes. So, But um, thank you so much for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us tonight. Thank you to my good man, Kyle, for you know putting up with me, ranting about Kiss all night, whatever. Thanks so much. And yeah, this guy's a big Kiss guy, too, as you can tell. Um, but uh, tune in every uh, Monday, because we're going to get back on track with that. Yep. Monday is our career perspectives night. And uh, was it Wednesday nights are a regular mixed bag show on our YouTube channel. Check it out. If you like what you've heard here, keep subscribing to Spotify podcast. Check us out. And uh, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Thank you so much for watching, listening, having enjoyed us. And for my good man, Kyle and I, we'll see you guys later. So stay safe and take care.